This is the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast, episode 160. Joel Hollingsworth, Will Shelton, we're here with you again today. Thanks for tuning in. As I promised last week, uh, I'm going to start by saying this at the top of the podcast instead of at the end. So here it is. Uh, Please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen to this. And uh, especially if you are a regular listener, please do us a favor and leave a review. The uh, algorithms and all of those little search monkeys, they love reviews maybe even more than we do. So it's kind of an easy way to give the podcast a little extra mauer juice. Uh, and while you're there, give us a rating because that's like super easy to do. Like like as easy as getting into the end zone on fourth and inches. Uh, so speaking of fourth and inches, the Vols are Thanks. coming off a 35-13 uh, loss to number one Alabama. A game that had more excitement, more frustration, and more heartbreak than any of us were expecting. Um, there's a lot to get to, uh, a lot of good and a lot of bad. So let's just go ahead and get the bad out of the way first. And there's a lot to choose from there. Uh, Brian Maurer went out with a, uh, another concussion. The officials were bad enough to wonder whether they needed to be in concussion protocol. And Jared Garantano made a very bad decision in front of a lot of emotional people. So, Will, which one do you want to talk about first? Well, uh, long term, it's Brian Maurer. Uh, and it just is a, a testament to how wild that game was that, uh, that you have two concussions in two games and you've got seven passing attempts in each game only for Maurer. And this is incredibly unfortunate. We'll talk about this more in the in the podcast, I know, in terms of looking forward to South Carolina. But it's a big storyline, and it's incredibly unfortunate. And a lot of Tennessee's uh, present and its future, perhaps, is, is on Brian Maurer's uh, shoulders or going to be on his shoulders maybe next year. So uh, that was really discouraging. I, obviously, for him personally and his family, you want him to be healthy and not be at risk out there. But it just kind of threatens a nice feel-good narrative that Tennessee wants to have going here in the second half of this season. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's uh, that's bad. Uh, anytime you've got quarterback getting hurt, especially if it is, in fact, two concussions in, in two weeks. Uh, the theme for this podcast is I'm not a doctor. Neither is Joel. <laughs> uh, neither are you, probably. I'm a jurist, doctor. Does, <laughs> does that work? And you're like a – you got some sort of PhD. That makes us like half a doctor each. So, yeah, we, we are qualified to give, give advice, medical advice. I am a master of divinity, as I often remind people, but oh. I am not a doctor. So okay. uh, <laughs> uh, that whatever those divinity powers are worth, I'm not sure it's anything on this podcast. I'm not a doctor, and most of us aren't either. And so we got to be careful with the way we talk about this and assumptions we make about this thing both ways with Maurer from um, – you know, on, on one end of the, of the spectrum, uh, I, I don't know if it was responsible to even play him last week. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I have to assume Tennessee's physician, who, according to NCAA protocol, is the one who clears him. So I don't know. I have to trust that. Likewise, I, you know, I don't know. if is he, is he absolutely guaranteed not to play against South Carolina? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I, I, so, like... <laughs> We just we just got to be careful with how we talk about that whole thing. I've seen already. Again, I know I'm I'm jumping ahead here, Joel, but I, you know, he practiced today. Didn't take any contact, any of that stuff, and 
Uh, Wes Rucker tweeted that he's apparently using a different kind of helmet. And so there's all kinds of uh, armchair <laughs> doctoring <laughs> going on here of like, well, he's definitely going to play. I, I don't know, man. I don't know if he should play. I don't know if he should have played last week. I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. so Different kind uh, of helmet. I mean, if, if that's like an anti-concussion helmet, then why wasn't he wearing that before? That's what I want to know. Excellent point. I'm not a, not a helmet specialist either. Uh, <laughs> so I don't, uh, I don't know. But yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of what went wrong against Alabama, the injury to Maurer, to me, is the biggest picture, uh, uh, the, the biggest big picture uh, indicator, unless you want to have a conversation about how close is Tennessee to actually winning that game, in which case any, any moment you choose, whether it's Daryl Taylor's quote-unquote penalty uh, or the Garantano play, if, if we can actually have a conversation that Tennessee might, maybe, could have possibly beaten the number one team in the country, then, yeah, the, some of those plays are, are the bad because it took what maybe was a legitimate opportunity away to beat number one that certainly would have reverberated for Jeremy Pruitt and for Tennessee football uh, big time going forward. This is, this is Tuesday night, and that still feels like a strange sentence coming out of my mouth just asking the question if Tennessee had an actual chance to win that football game. But I mean, I'm asking it, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, it's a real, at least a real question. If, if not, you know, was a, was a real possibility there. So, you know, the, everybody's talking about the, uh, the Daryl Taylor thing when it comes to the officials, but I think even worse than that, and that was a bad timing with a bad consequence at the wrong time. Um, but, that bizarre thing where they stopped play just to chat for a little while and then started back up without any explanation. Um, I thought that was worse because we had basically a trick play right at, you know, I think it was inside the five, right? Um, at, at five. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's like, it's like the officials, it's kind of like playing cards with kids, you know, you're teaching them a game or something and they play some stupid hand and you go, uh, are you sure that you want to play that card? It was, it was kind of like the officials were like, hey, you see uh, the guy that, quarter, that usually plays quarterback, he's not in the quarterback position. Do you guys want to maybe think about this a minute? I'll give you some time. So anyway, I thought that was just ludicrous because I, I don't even remember now uh, what that turned into. Uh, was that a field goal there then? Yeah, it turned into yeah. a uh, false start penalty, uh, yes. and then it turned into uh, a, a no gain, and then a holding penalty, and then uh, and then they missed, uh, and then Garantano missed Jennings uh, on third and twenty or whatever when they actually had something good dialed up there. So uh, that one to me, I'm I'm not a I'm not a conspiracy guy. I I think that one. Uh, the timing was certainly poor, uh, but that one just seemed more random than anything to me. The Tennessee got the, uh, bad luck on a on a random decision by the officials to to check something because I don't think they're actually out to get Tennessee or anything like that. That's why to me the Daryl Taylor one is worse because it's just a terrible decision by the by the official, like just just a terrible call. Even watching it full speed, just just awful. Um, and obviously at that point that one to me even more than than the garantano play you're down eight and getting ready to get the ball back with a quarter and a half to go as opposed to down eight and alabama's going to get the ball with seven minutes to go and uh, a ton but, of momentum too 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that that was, uh, that's an atrocious call by the referee. Uh, I don't appreciate, uh, I, I get the guys from ESPN and all this other stuff, uh, when they bring in the ref specialists, they've got to have the crews back to some degree. Uh, but don't insult my intelligence by trying to defend that call. It's a terrible call. <laughs> and they're going to make terrible calls. And I mean, Pruitt talked about this today. Those guys are going to make mistakes. Sometimes those mistakes come at a bad place. Uh, but don't don't insult our intelligence by trying to defend that call. It's a terrible decision by the referee. Um, could Was Tennessee going to win that game? Eh, 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 I don't know. But um, We'll take I don't know, right? I think because so. Because we were yeah, nowhere near I don't know when we started that game. Well, and this this is why then to me it goes back to the worst news is Maurer because now we we I, no one knows how to feel about Saturday because if it's Garantano there's and I, I've appreciated seeing lots of folks. Uh, I hope you would expect from from us the hey you shouldn't boo this guy. Uh, lots of folks are already out ahead of that. I I, I think that's great. I think that's good to see. Um, but there's there's going to be conflicted emotion about Garantano if he plays. If Shrout plays, I mean, who in the world knows what we're going to get there? Uh, and if Maurer plays, we got a whole host of questions about concussion protocol and all that stuff anyway. So, that uh, yes, we absolutely take being close. Tennessee did all the things we talked about they needed to do last week in terms of landing punches and more. I mean, they weren't lucky. They were unlucky, as we just talked about, in fact. I don't know Bama's quarterback got hurt, too. That's that's unlucky, too. It happens. But, um, you know, I, I we want to be able to parlay a close call into a really great performance, which has been done. Lane Kiffin did it. Close call with uh, Bama at, at number one and then really played well against South Carolina. Uh, so it's it's been done here. But it's just... Uh, the mood is just uncertainty, uh, or at least it, it seems like to me instead. So I feel like we're not, because of the Maurer injury, we're not getting the full benefit of the closeness of the call, if that makes sense. All right. So I want to go on record and say that I don't think that was a conspiracy either. I just, it's, it's just bizarre to me. And uh, it did, I think, deprive them of the element of surprise, which, which could have been a big help. And, you know, if they could just come over and just tell him I'm sorry <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I also don't want to dwell, <coughs> excuse me, don't want to dwell too much on the play, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk about it. Um, it seems like the consensus is that uh, they were supposed to run a, uh, a handoff to the running back and that Garantano, for some reason, um, tried to uh, sneak it, and it wasn't really even a good sneak because he was under center and uh, trying to jump over six-and-a-half-foot-tall guys from a standing position. Um, so, bad decision. Um, I feel terrible for that guy. I love that guy, but there's no getting around that. That was that was just a very bad moment. Um so, uh, do you have anything to add to any of that? Um, without, we'll, we'll like you said, we'll reserve um, 
whether or not he plays against South Carolina for a little bit later. But uh, about the actual play, anything you want to discuss? Uh, I, I mean, same as not being a doctor. I don't know Jared Garantano. Uh, I don't know if he was <laughs> – we joked about Billy, don't be a hero. I don't know if he was trying to do that. Uh, I don't know if um, – there's a really interesting throwaway – comment in uh i guess it was brian greasy that made at some point during the game uh, either that or todd mcshay at some point do you remember this where they were talking about cheney telling the broadcast crew that garantano had been audibling into things that didn't make any sense and and changing like I, there's a comment in there somewhere i haven't gone back and watched the game but it was it, you know it was just really interesting to me that they commented in that way and i think it was before mauer got hurt it's kind of an admission of Hey, like this guy mentally was not crossing his T's and dotting his I's, and in fact was, you know, was drawing W's when he needed to make T's or, or something like that. That <laughs> the the greater authority that they gave him over the offense, much publicized coming into the season, um, he was not handling that well uh, or or correctly. That they uh, either put too much on him, or uh, I mean, I, I guess just a different version of putting too much on him. So. There's an element of that in the in the sneak. It doesn't have to be that he was trying to be hero and going rogue. It may have been that he genuinely thought he, not for his own glory and, and redemption, but genuinely thought he saw something that this was the right check to make or, or the right call to make. It's like sometimes when you've seen a, a bad fake punt where the punter uh, makes what seems like to all of us just a really terrible decision. And it wasn't that he was trying to be heroic. Uh, you know, I would imagine a punter uh, is putting himself at risk uh, by, by faking a punt. Just he read something wrong. You know, he, he's got a cue in his brain or if the defense lines up this way, we always do this or whatever. And he just uh, takes a, a cue wrong or misreads it at, at, at that sort of time. So uh, I don't think Garantano has to be trying to be heroic or, or anything like that or, or idiotic. It just may be that he just – just read something wrong. I had this uh, crazy theory uh, early on before people really figured out what the uh, answer was to the mystery. And um, I thought that maybe they were trying to run that old play that they did with Peyton Manning, where he was the only one who knew he was supposed to keep it and do the naked bootleg. Remember that one? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. 95. It, yeah. And, you know, um, that was kind of everybody else was told basically sneak or over the top. Right. And, uh, he just grabbed the ball and went his own way. And in fact, the favorite thing that I love about that play is that some of the uh, linemen actually oh, saw, yeah. saw the running back into the end zone and lifted their hands. Like he had a touchdown, but right, he didn't have the ball. ball. <laughs> so anyway, I was thinking that that could explain the uh, miscommunication that they kept talking about and stuff. And I was all over this theory for about, a half an hour until I went back and looked at it. And uh, yeah, that, that's not what they were running. <laughs> so anyway, um, here's the thing about that game. Uh, there was a lot of really good stuff that came out of that. We talked about some of it already. But I thought the defense did really well. I thought the offense moved the ball. Um, it was a one-possession game for much longer than uh, I thought it was going to be. There was a bunch of adversity, and we weathered it. Pruitt was fired up in a positive way and then in a negative way. Uh, we played 
played a half without Toto and uh, uh, another half without Batuli. And, uh, you know, they just, they looked so much better. They are obviously getting better. Um, so what, what good did you see out of that game? And how are you uh, feeling about the team after seeing that one? Oh yeah, I mean, as we've discussed, it, it Tennessee wasn't lucky. Uh, they were they were unlucky. Uh, it, it reminded me of the other two times we've come close there in Tuscaloosa in the last ten years in '09 in Kiffin's year and and four years ago, obviously when Tennessee only lost by four. In both those games, you could kind of tell right away that okay, like Tennessee's going to be around. Just the way the defense was swarming to the ball the way guys were getting penetration, the way the run game and the pass game were successful, uh, it, it just looked like Tennessee belonged. And that made a whole lot more sense in 09 and in 15 <laughs> than it made uh, Saturday because I kept seeing it, you know, offensive line opening up holes, uh, defensive players swarming to the ball, getting tackles for loss, getting pressure on the, on both quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I just, uh, I, I tweeted finally at some point, like this, like we are passing the eye test here in ways against Alabama that we haven't in, in four years. Uh, and so this season is so weird with, with five games left to go uh, in that we're talking about after Georgia State and BYU and Florida saying, look, uh, things are obviously bad. There's nothing to do except grin and bear it. Uh, you know, it's in everybody's best interest for, for Pruitt to still be the guy. We're worse than we thought. This is going to take longer than we thought. Let's just hang on. All that. Well, now, uh, and not just from Alabama, but from uh, long stretches of the Georgia game yep. and a Mississippi State game where, again, let's, let's see a little more of Mississippi State. Uh, Moorhead liked the way they played against LSU, even though they they got the same result against LSU. Everybody's getting right now, but let's let's see if those guys are, are any good. Still a game. Tennessee was a touchdown underdog in and won by ten. Uh, and then yesterday, uh, my my biggest takeaway, and I've said this uh, in in conversation with uh, a number of our our former uh, writers on Rocky Top Talk and and to other people, it looked to me like Tennessee's days of being not just a 30-point underdog, but like a 20-point underdog, that, that we've come to an end on that. Because uh, Tennessee looked like they, uh, not that they belonged in winning the game, but they looked like they had every reason and right to be out there and landing the punches that they were landing, and every reason to be competitive. And if again, if you can be competitive with that team in you know the 9 p.m. light show down there, uh, then you're you're going to check that box against everybody else that you play. So uh, it's not it, it wasn't corner turning or anything because you still lost and you lost in particularly uh, upsetting fashion. But again, if Mauer's not hurt, it makes you feel like can you roll into South Carolina here and get a win, and then kind of go from there. Uh, so. It feels weird to say that, you know, a month after saying, look, this is really bad and let's embrace the bottom and not measure progress. I wrote this, not measure progress at the top, but progress from the bottom. But Tennessee looked a long way from the bottom. I mean, they they looked like this is entering into that can beat anybody, can be beaten by anybody, uh, not because of luck, but because of of skill and passion and and talented 
recruits on Tennessee's side of things uh, playing that way in this game. So here's where we're at then after Alabama. The, the Vols need to go 4-1 and one in their final five games to get bowl eligible. Uh, and they start with a game against South Carolina this week. South Carolina just beat uh, number three Georgia two weeks ago. They looked good. I thought they looked good. Did you think they looked good against Florida? Uh, didn't see a whole lot of it, but I thought that they um, – I think Muschamp is doing one of his better coaching jobs this year. Uh, I think they had opportunities to, to fold early, similar to Tennessee. Um, quarterback, uh, I mean, it, theirs is just Bentley being hurt, but a, a quarterback issue you didn't think you were going to have this year that now you have. And uh, those guys uh, beat Georgia in Athens. And uh, same as us now are, are telling themselves, we had an opportunity to beat the Gators. And I mean, you know, keep in mind, I know they played Alabama too, but if they go two and zero against Georgia and Florida, they're talking about winning the East at, yeah. at South Carolina. So, uh, you know, that, that loss to Florida is, is one that really, um, that had consequences, uh, for yeah. them, uh, beyond, beyond what happened to us at Alabama. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this may be after that, uh, after Missouri lost to Vanderbilt, it could be that South Carolina may be, uh, viewed as the uh, toughest out and it's, and it's this week, but, uh, if they have to go four and one in their last five games to get to a bowl game, um, how are you feeling about bowl eligibility at this point? Uh, I still think, you know, less, less likely than, than not. Um, I think that, there's so much weird scheduling that's that's happening here. So you get South Carolina after they've played Georgia and Florida back to back. You get Missouri that way too, and Tennessee's on a bye week. But Tennessee gets Kentucky after Kentucky's on a bye week. And I didn't realize this until uh, this week. UAB's off this week too. Hmm. So UAB uh, six and one, seven and one. Uh, beat Old Dominion handily. I'm sure your Statsy preview machine continues to really like them. It does. Uh, th yeah, that's that's a bad scheduling situation there too. So if you want to take the one on that and say, uh, you know, Missouri got to play Georgia and Florida back to back. We're on the bye week. Well, so is Kentucky, and and so is UAB. Uh, so uh, <laughs> there's there's the potential for some weirdness uh, in in all that. I think most uh, like if you look at SP plus and FPI, those kinds of things, all that stuff is going to have Tennessee somewhere between four and a half and four and three quarters victories. So saying five and seven is the most likely outcome, which I think all of us, I, I think that five, that five and seven is the most likely outcome. I think the objective things will say that four and eight is more likely than six and six. Uh, I am hopeful that that's more of a toss up, but, um, uh, again, so much is about the quarterback. If if you play Garantano and you lose to South Carolina, but you can get Maurer back, um, even if you can entertain the notion of beating UAB with Garantano, to get Maurer back, then maybe you can talk yourself into the Tyler Bray run of of four and zero in November to get bowl eligible. Could happen. It's happened nine years ago. Um, but on the other hand, man, it would just be nice to still have a little cushion in there because. Uh, again, the things we want to believe about Tennessee being able to compete with everybody and all that stuff, you got to learn consistency too. And that is something that Pruitt's teams have not 
done. Uh, they've been good at, at spurts and were good at spurts last year, but they have not been consistent. In fact, I mean, I think we could make an argument here that this is the most consistent that they've been is, is the last three weeks. Yeah. Right. Is Georgia, Mississippi state and Alabama. If you go back to last year, you could say they were consistent. If you take out Alabama, they were, they beat Auburn. They went to the wire with South Carolina. Um, we played some non-conference team that I, we struggled to beat uh, in November and then they beat Kentucky, but then they went off the cliff. So, uh, you know, if, if this thing stays competitive, this is, is there the most consistent we've seen them. And that's good. Cause they're going to need it. The, uh, Statsy preview machine, by the way, was 64% in all games this, this week. It had a really good week, 80% in its, uh, favorite, uh, in its favorite group. So, um, the thing is it, it's terrible on Tennessee. It does not understand Tennessee. So well, that, hey, who does? You know, <laughs> Tennessee was a. Th- I mean, we were a thirty-five point underdog. Yeah, and was, was and and I know like Illinois took some of the magic out of out of that performance yeah. by winning as you know whatever a twenty-nine and a half point underdog. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean that was that was incorrect yeah. about where Tennessee was on Saturday. Yep, that was incorrect. So uh, heading into South Carolina, so the Pruitt and the coaching staff they have. Uh, basically a, a terrible choice that they have to make uh, when it comes to playing quarterback. You got door number one. Let's play Brian Maurer, who's had a concussion twice in the last eight days or how many ever it was, at least two in the last two games. Um, door number two, you could play uh, JT Shrout, who uh, let's just say he doesn't look ready. Right. Um, and uh, – then door number three is you could play Jarrett Garantano, who um, is probably going to get booed um, when he steps out on the field to try to help his team win a game um, at home. Um, and, you know, I know you said before we, we here are going to try to implore everyone not to boo him. There's apparently some other folks out there that are uh, trying to, get out in front of it like you said um the thing is though it only takes like 100 people to boo for the announcers to say the fans are booing jared garantano because you know you don't hear silence right um yeah so which and pointing out on, on um from a recruiting standpoint someone's making this point on volquest that like hey man we got recruits in this weekend like it's not a it's just a bad look we we need yeah. uh Booing is identifiable. You know, if you want to yell, yell something creative, you know, it's not going to be joining in with the same hundred other people that are yelling the same thing to be picked up in that way. Yeah. But there's going to be at least a hundred thousand people just doing the wrong thing in a group of a hundred thousand. Right. So it's just, that's the way it's going to be. Um, so which door are you choosing? I'm not qualified. I'm not a doctor, so I can't talk about number one. Uh, just, I just, you know, again, some of these, the, did he really have a concussion? And that makes me want to, like the first time, the one against Mississippi State, because it didn't look like a concussion type of play. It looked like a neck sprain. Yeah. Did he really have a concussion? And then Pruitt just said he was in concussion protocol, but that doesn't mean he had a concussion. And all that sort of stuff makes me kind of want to go, well, maybe you're right. And then I'm like, no, he's had two concussions in eight days. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I, I do not know. Uh, and 
given that that's the case, it makes me want to say, uh, let's sit him down and chill out. Uh, if, if we're not thoroughly convinced that this guy is not just okay, but not putting himself at enhanced risk, football is risk. I, I, everyone understands that, but, uh, you can you can hold a guy out if he is at enhanced risk, uh, and I you know I don't like the thought of. I mean I'm feeling physical anxiety right now, picturing him dropping back against a blitz. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah, the, uh, the, if I could just interrupt real quick there, uh, the one thing I haven't I've I don't know whether anybody's talking about this or not, but I haven't heard it. Uh, I have a feeling, and again, I am not a doctor either, but I have a feeling that what we're missing some of the time is that there are different levels of concussion. So you can Correct. get you can get through protocol quicker if it was a super mild or something. So, you know, there could be something there too, but sorry, just wanted to toss that in there. No, that's great. I mean, uh, David Evans' piece in The Athletic today uh, that interviewed uh, Chris Nowitzki that used to be the wrestler and, and some other guys too – we're saying that look, pra- non-contact practice is not a sign of anything. It used to be that the thought was, he's got a concussion. Every you know, the Tim Tebow, he's sleeping in a dark room and all that stuff and and everything. And now, there is some science to suggest that if lights are not actively bothering you, then it's good for your body to get out there and and get involved in normal act, not not contact, but normal activity and. That's what we saw Maurer doing. So uh, today, so like it does not mean uh, him practicing today doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't have a bad concussion. He just may not have one that is dealing with light sensitivity and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm 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 not a doctor. Uh, I would I would lean in the direction of man, we better be absolutely sure. And, and again. The, the NCAA bylaws, I looked this up in conversation this week, and, and I'm sure many others have too. The team physician gets the final say. So you would hope that Tennessee's team physician is going to only give him the green light if there is, you know, uh, a, a, the amount of confidence uh, that that everyone is on board with with that. Um, I thought when the, when the sneak happened with Garantano, I thought – okay, this is obviously terrible and we need some explanation, but we should remember, and I tweeted this, that like, again, we want to say the Nathan Peterman thing, all right? Bless his heart, hope good things happen to him. Good things probably not happening for him at Tennessee. All right, cool. But if Maurer can't play, you better hope good things happen to him at Tennessee because he just seems like he's obviously Tennessee's next best option. But then they ran Shroud out there and there were a couple of things that, you know, some of the credentialed media folks uh, who know a whole lot more about what's going on behind the scenes than you or I do uh, were, were less surprised by Shrout running out there than me. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it seems like all three of those doors are possibilities. Um, can they beat this team? They tried to beat Muschamp two years ago running this this nonsense run offense with Garantano, and they lost 15-9. to nine. So it's a different coaching staff, but that's been tried. Um, could they try it out there again? I'm sure it's kind of in Pruitt's wheelhouse. You're running the ball well right now. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I need uh, maybe like Friday and give a, a more educated answer to that, but – uh, More educated. You didn't even give me an answer. You dodged that question totally, man. 
I don't know. I, I do not know what I would do. I think if you, from a fan perspective, if you play Shroud and you get beat, I think people will at least say, well, eh, you know, freshman in his first situation, that sort of thing. If you put in Shroud for two series and he's awful, you at least warm people up to the idea of playing Garantano. But it's not Pruitt's job to care about what I think, you know, with within reason. Like, you shouldn't hire Greg Schiano as your football coach. But, <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh, he, he can't be led by the will of the masses uh, all the time. So uh, I think Garantano, if, if we're assuming Maurer is not a not going to reach levels of confidence that people can feel great about. I think Garantano probably still gives you the best chance to win. So maybe that's what you do is roll him out there with two tight ends. And here comes the run. And uh, let's see if we can win this game 15 to nine, uh, like he lost it a couple of years ago. All right. So if but, uh, uh, change by Friday, but what all uh, my opinion on all that may change by Friday. Okay. It sounds to me like you're saying um, uh, Brian Maurer, if he's cleared. Um, but if, uh, but see, see but isn't there not... a difference between cleared, like, like this This would be my concern is he's cleared as in he's, he's not, um, you know, like he's not showing active symptoms or whatever, but because he just had two concussions in two weeks, he's at greater risk for something worse happening. Uh, a, a worse concussion coming through. So that that would be, to me, I would want a standard higher. And again, I'm not a doctor, but I would want a standard higher than he's cleared. I would want, is that clearance include confidence that if he takes a really good hit to the head, that something much worse is not likely to happen to him. And I don't know if they can answer that question. Okay. Going to defer to the doctor on that by probing him and asking him for a, for a more nuanced answer then. Yes. Yes. All right. And if he can't go, try Garantano. Yeah, it just, just seems – I mean, that was my assumption before they tried to trout out there, and I think that would still be the case. Uh, you, you know, you probably do better with fans if you start Shroud no matter what happens. Uh, even if he looks terrible, you can still run Garantano in there on the, on the third series. Uh, you know, they did that uh, – the Dobbs uh, Alabama game in 2014, the Dobbs coming out party. Um, Peterman started that game, remember, and played about two series, and then they put in Dobbs, and that was that was the end of that. By the time they really put in Dobbs, Tennessee was already down like 21 to nothing. Hopefully, that wouldn't be the case against South Carolina, but that's that's an option. But I don't think that's the option. It's again, Pruitt doesn't need to care about that uh, at this point in time, yeah. if ever. All right, so uh, what do you think the keys of the game are uh, this week? It's it's looking to me like um, basically we're looking at a running game on both sides of the ball, and it's just whichever team does better at that this week is gonna gonna win. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think that for sure. I think these teams are are fairly similar. South Carolina was better last year, play for play, but Tennessee still almost got them. I mean, it's really uh, Auburn was competitive at the end, but we got a lead there and took the air out of the ball on them. Otherwise, South Carolina is the only competitive game Tennessee played last year. Uh, so I think there's, you know, I'm, I'm big on the, the human element and the momentum element of all of this. Which team is in a better place coming into this game? Both of these teams feel like they got hosed by referees last week. 
uh, in what would have been incredibly meaningful victories. Um, both teams have coaches that are going to have to answer questions about referees, I'm sure, the rest of this week. Um, Muschamp's been doing this, obviously, longer than Pruitt has uh, in terms of being a head coach. So who's, who's more ready uh, in that capacity? Uh, and can we see uh, all the good stuff we saw from Tennessee's defense the last two weeks? Will it show up uh, when you're playing a team that has a, a more of an offensive identity than Mississippi State did, but is not Alabama? Uh, and, and probably not Alabama, even with the backup quarterback in. So, you know, if Tennessee is winning this, if, if Jared Garantano is the starter and Tennessee wins this game and it does not feature some sort of Crompton-esque performance by Garantano in the <laughs> Crompton-esque in the good way, uh, <laughs> the, the redemption that we've been talking about all season on this podcast that does not want to manifest itself, apparently, no. then I think, I think next week, Joel, we're talking about Tennessee's defense. Uh, making plays, creating turnovers, not allowing Tennessee to lose uh, a game like this. I think that's that's the, the most likely path forward if it's Garantano at quarterback. The defense really does seem to hold a lot of hope. Just both lines, actually. Uh, the offensive line, you know what? We haven't talked we, – we haven't said anything bad about the offensive line in how many weeks now? Yeah, I mean, even even um, BYU, they got a little flack because Tennessee went for it twice on fourth and one and didn't get it. But after that, yeah. no, I mean, these guys are are uh, some of it's Trey Smith getting back to his old ways, which is great. Yeah. Some of it is freshmen that you you would hope are not going to hit a wall at some point in time, but those guys are getting better. Yep. Other guys, uh, Jerome Carvin and and Jameer Brandon. Johnson, some of those guys are getting better. Brandon, P. and that's Kennedy. that's a different story. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's the defensive story is it's not just one stud player. It's guys are getting better. And that's that's what you gotta have. That's what Tennessee's gotta have to to get this thing where it needs to go. Yeah. All right. Well that's gonna put a wrap on this episode of the Game Day Iraqi Top Podcast. We do appreciate you tuning in. Uh, like I said before, hit that subscribe button if you would please. Give us a rating, leave us a review. The bonus points uh, this week are if you include in your review the secret phrase, I am not a doctor. Right, right. <laughs> so for Will Shelton, I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and this has been the Game Day on Rocky Top podcast. Can you hear uh, only coloring in the background? The entire time? I cannot, but well done, only. I don't think I. How are you feeling about this game? What are you going to pick? Uh, I don't know. Again, I would so love it if they, the fan in me, if they came out and were like, Mauer's fine. He's going to play up like Tennessee by 30. Like we're, you know, we're, we've turned this corner and all this other stuff, but I, I think it'll be low scoring, ugly. Uh, I don't think it affects Tennessee players so much as I think Muschamp knows how to win these kind of games against us because he keeps doing it. So, uh, you know, I think that's a that's a concern. But if it's not Maurer, that's that's a good thing. The one good thing about it not being Maurer is you at least get to have uh, you can be hopeful uh, about next year. Now, let's say they decide to sit Maurer the rest of the year, which I don't think that's happening because he practiced at all. But, you know, you, I don't want to put uh, 
14 snaps worth of hope on Brian Maurer for an entire offseason where we all think, you know, that he's the second coming of Peyton Manning by next August because those are unfair expectations for him. So uh, he, hasn't, he, he hasn't thrown a snap to be the safety yet. 